Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Bethany Gilbert, and I'm here with Pastor Bob Thune of Quorumdale Church and Quorumdale intern Travis Barrett, as well as Pastor Chris Hemmelman of First City Church. Every Wednesday, we sit down to talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. Today, we're talking about the cross and the kingdom. Man, this is going to be a fun episode. Travis Barrett teed this one up for us. Yeah, I did. Travis, did give, us, give us the backstory on on what got us into this topic. Yeah, so I've been uh, reading books, reading articles um, that kind of had to do with this t- uh, topic, uh, atonement theory. Um, and the more and more I read, the more I kind of found that uh, these two kind of camps um, really are pretty far apart um, that we'll talk about later. But uh, I found that... Uh, there was not a lot of common ground. Not a lot of people were trying to make sense of this, trying to balance these things. Cause the tension that I felt was when I look in the Bible, I see both the kingdom and I see the cross. But, uh, when I look at kind of the conversations, there's usually an emphasis on one or the other. And so I approached Bob and said, Hey, do you know of anybody who's doing work in this field who is kind of trying to bring together this, uh, the idea of kingdom and the cross together into, um, one framework. And I said, here's a great book I haven't read yet, but I know it's about this. <laughs> you should read it. <laughs> the Crucified King by Jeremy Treat. Jeremy is a friend of mine, serves on the Gospel Coalition Council with me. Uh, and I knew that he had done really good work in this area. I've heard this book recommended by many people. I hadn't read it. I was like, Travis, I think this book <laughs> is right in that wheelhouse, but I can't actually promise that it is because I still have to read it. It's on my shelf. Uh, so... Travis, you read it. Yeah, and Bob it looks used like, me to read it for him. Yeah, so this is what I did. It's, what, it's, it's, it's one of my best gifts is just to get, get lots of That's reading done through other people. That's what interns are for, Travis. <laughs> research. Read Tell me how for me. Research. Um, let's back up a little bit and talk about, mm-hmm. uh, so w- when you say cross and kingdom, or when we use these categories, um, why? what are these categories, I guess, which one do you feel like is better represented in sort of classic... American evangelicalism. Oh, definitely cross. Certainly cross. And usually your uh, traditional evangelical churches, we're going to emphasize like the forgiveness of sins on the cross and the cross as a um, mode of paying for sins. Good. And then we have kingdom, which tends to be or has maybe traditionally been a theme more beloved by uh, people who really want to see social change, see the the, the, the world be a better place, right? And so they emphasize, hey, the kingdom of God is here and we have a responsibility to to see God's... And actually what happened in the early 1900s is there was kind of a divide between those two things. You had the social gospel uh, rooted in the work of people like Schleiermacher and Walter Rauschenbusch who sort of jettisoned atonement at all, said, we don't need Jesus' death on the cross, we just need a better world. And then the fen- fundamentalists reacted against that and said, nope, we need Jesus' death on the cross and forget your social gospel. And so that created a divide that actually lasted for about 80 or 90 years. And I think we're just recovering from it. This this work that Jeremy Treat and others are doing, N.T. Wright and some people like that, are is helping us sort of come out of that polarization and recover the importance of both these things. Um, Travis, you built us a really nice book report. It's like a chart. There's like a chart here. How do you want to tackle this? What's the best way to get into this? Oh, by the way, I should say Travis sent us this message. He's like, hey, guys. Feel like we've been talking a lot about cultural stuff lately. <laughs> we haven't done a theology topic in quite a while. What a good rebuke for us. I was like, yeah, you're right. We're not like uh, CNBC or Fox <laughs> News or you know NPR. We're like we're a, we're a podcast of a church. We should talk about theology. 
I wanted to talk about election fraud and conspiracies. <laughs> Travis said, Travis no, like, let's no, talk Chris. about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Good call, Travis. Oh, All right, Travis, tee this up for us. What's How would you sort of uh, walk us through the... Um, so, so let's, let's start here. Let's just mm-hmm. talk about, um, the different emphases. So, so one of the points Jeremy Treat makes is, Hey, the kingdom and cross actually cohere together in the Bible, but they have been sort of torn apart for various reasons, historical and theological and otherwise, but it, it, walk us through Travis, sort of what does each of these emphasize? So if we're thinking kingdom, what are the things mm-hmm. we're t- going to tend to hear and think about? And if we're thinking cross, what are the things we're going to tend to hear and think about? Yeah. So, um, this little chart that I made for everybody, it has on the left is kind of the theory. Um, the title of it is called penal substitution. And that's kind of what, uh, that's the cross. That's the cross is the, um, kind of freehand way of referring to it, which is basically emphasizes that we are kind of presents humans as almost villains. Um, we have committed sin and the problem is that our sin then means that we deserve God's wrath. And then, uh, in this framework, what the cross does is, is that it, takes God's wrath and puts it on Christ for us so that we then no longer have to experience God wrath, God's wrath. Um, so kind Which of, you're exactly right. That's almost every gospel sermon you've ever heard in evangelical church is going to mm-hmm, lean into that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, usually, usually really, um, the books of the Bible that's going to focus on is like the epistles all over all of Paul's writing, especially the Romans. And it kind of pictures Christ as the sacrificial lamb. Uh, now on the right of this chart is, um, more of the kingdom focus, which the the term for that is Christus Victor, which is Latin for Christ the Victor, um, because it kind of focuses on presenting Christ uh, not as a sacrificial lamb, but a conquering lion, um, kind of like a kingdom kingly focus. Uh, so that story in this kind of when they're really really fall ap- far apart and don't come together, the uh, picture is that we're not villains; we're actually victims who are uh, need to be rescued from our bondage and that what Christ did on the cross was actually overpower the, um, the powers of sin and evil and Satan and uh, brought us back into the kingdom of God. Uh, and, and like Bob said, this is kind of more, uh, especially in like the social gospel of the early um, like 1900s and uh, even in like liberation theology um, really, really focuses on this. Um, it was, it was kind of interesting when I was reading how to be anti anti-racist by Ibram Kendi. Um, he kind of has a little section where he talks about how his parents, uh, during the civil rights movement kind of really were influenced by the liberation theology. And I mean, I'm reading a book on anti-racism and I'm like, wait, this is, this sounds exactly what I'm reading in this book on by Jeremy treat on kingdom theology. Um, so those are kind of the places that you're going to see kingdom theology, uh, really focused, but also the forgiveness of sins and the cross minimized. Good. So how do we bring these two things together, Travis? Yeah. So Jeremy, uh, really, he, he kind of talks about how a lot of the, um, the problem with this debate is, uh, kind of this pendulum of going back and forth of reaction, uh, reacting against each other. And that often when we mistake what the kingdom is and was mistake what the cross did, um, having incorrect kind of definitions of those, uh, concepts can really make things difficult. So he talks about like, if you think of the kingdom as just, uh, if when I say the kingdom of God, you think, oh, that's just the future. When I go to heaven, that's, that's what the like, kingdom of God is heaven. It's a future reality that really doesn't have anything to do with me. Or if you think of the kingdom as like a utopian society that we need to work towards, then that's going to be a problem with kind of reconciling that with the cross. Um, as well as if you understand the cross only in terms of like, that is just my personal ticket up to heaven. Um, or as like this eschatological, eschatological event, um, 
it's going to be a little difficult to figure out how the kingdom and the cross have anything to do with each other or how you can reconcile these into one um, cohesive um, kind of narrative. Uh, what Jeremy does, uh, what I thought was just so just brilliant, is he offers the framework, uh, the kingdom through the cross. So the kingdom through the cross, meaning um, the goal of Christ's work was establishing his kingdom and his victorious reign. And the way that he achieved that goal was by dying as a substitute to appease God's wrath. Um, the picture that he uses that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm all about pictures and visuals to help <laughs> me see these things is he points to the crown of thorns on the cross. And he says, this is a picture that not just tells us that um, kingdom and the cross relate, but he, it actually shows us how they relate um, because he, he kind of does some biblical theology and points to uh, thorns uh, are kind of a biblical picture of sin and the result of sin. If you look all the way back in Genesis, you see that thorns are actually the result, a literal manifestation in creation of sin. And so by taking on the thorns as a crown, Jesus has paradoxically transformed a sign of the curse and defeat into a sign of kingship and victory. Yeah, that'll preach right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good like, ser- I'm writing a sermon right now. <laughs> thorns. <laughs> That's all you need. Yeah. That's your title. And so uh, kingdom through cross, I thought was just a, a beautiful framework to understand um, that both of these components are really important when we're talking about the gospel, that um, the way that God has achieved this victory is by paying for our sins. And the goal of that victory is actually to bring God's reign and rule into this creation. You also mentioned in your little summary here that um, the ca- the doctor or the categories, the offices of Christ as prophet, priest, and king, Jeremy Treat says this is helpful to, to bring all of this together um, because these three offices tend to... If we separate them from each other, they lead us into this reductionism. Mm-hmm. But as we keep them together and seeing Christ's work falling under each of these offices, it helps us keep kingdom and cross together. Can you build that out a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So prophet being kind of like revealing truth to us, revealing truth about God, you know, about ourselves. Uh, priest being the office that like reconciles us to God. And then king being like reigning for God and, and on God's behalf um, as a king. Uh, he... Uh, has a little quote. He says, we need a Christ who is all three at once. We need a prophet who proclaims God to us, a priest who reconciles us with God, and a king who in the name of God rules and protects us. Uh, he, he quotes Calvin um, calling the cross a triumphal chariot, um, showing that these offices aren't necessarily supposed to be um, kind of compartmentalized as though, you know, like sometimes it can be presented as like the life of Christ and his ministry was him being a prophet. And then when he died on the cross, he was acting as a priest. And then in the future, he's going to reign as a king. Mm. And he said, that's actually kind of not the point of the offices. The point is to see how each, um, especially the cross, is actually all three of these different aspects. It's revealing God's truth to us. It's him reigning as king. And it's him reconciling us to God, all three at the same time, um, bringing them together. Uh, the the history of kind of the emphasi- emphasizing different aspects of those three offices, um, I thought was really, really um almost comedic uh, of just so interesting of like how we went from Calvin, who was really trying to emphasize all three of these that like describing the cross as a triumphal chariot, you know, clearly like a very kingly image. Um, But also, you know, Calvin, like he's really emphasizing the uh, emphasis on reforming and uh, redeeming us to God. Uh, But by the time you get to about the 19th century, uh, you have in the uh, Princeton seminaries president, uh, Charles Hodge wrote his systematic theology, and this is what cracked me up, is he, when he's writing about the threefold office of 
uh, prophet, priest, and king, he writes uh, two pages for the office of prophet, 12 pages for king, and 131 pages for the <laughs> office of priest. And it's like, there's clearly not, like, I mean, they would never downplay or say that Christ isn't king or he's not a prophet, but there's a clear shift in emphasis towards what's important to us right now is that we say that Christ is a priest and really focus on that work, um, which was, of course, in reaction to kind of like the social gospel movement and saying, hey, no, there was supernatural um, uh, things that were happening on the cross, not just that he was exemplifying um, a good moral ethic, but actual spiritual realities were being changed by Christ's work on the cross. And uh, I just find it kind of comedic that 131 pages for priest. Um, and I think you see that the result of that in most of today's churches where we really only refer to Christ as a priest and not really as a prophet or a king. There's also a footnote here that says the kingdom of God is treated in only two pages of Wayne Grudem's entire systematic theology, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is <laughs> discouraging. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we've used that book for years as a pretty helpful systematic theology, but now that, now that I read them, I'm like, yeah, and you know what? It does mm -hmm. highly emphasize atonement and those, those themes, but not much of the kingdom of God at all. Um, all right. So Travis, how do we, how does this help you as a, as a learner and a, someone who's thinking about ministry in the future. And then how can, you know, what is, what does the average Christian need to do to sort of hold these things together and make sure that we're seeing the work of God as kingdom through cross? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of uh, two things. Uh, one is I feel like the best way to hold these in tandem, like in uh, one in each hand is really to have like a storied approach to scripture of like, there's a, a narrative that is happening all throughout scripture. That is, uh, we start in the garden with God ruling and we're going to end in a garden with God ruling. And that is the goal. And seeing that Christ um, work on the cross helps us get there and not just helps us like that is the way that we get to that. Um, having that kind of an approach really just transforms how you're reading uh just the whole Bible and seeing um, how it all connects. Uh, when we when we're saying that we want to see the gospel all throughout Scripture, it can kind of be difficult when you're only limiting the gospel to uh, penal substitution. But when you start to see that it's actually a whole combination of God's plan to bring about His kingdom once again, it can really help um, me and people see like, oh, okay, now I'm starting to see how the gospel is everywhere. You can't read Scripture without seeing the gospel, um, as well as uh, as I'm kind of thinking about people, especially coming into Coram Deo, um, but really into our churches. Uh, I was especially thinking of the, the threefold office of uh, prophet, priest, and king. Um, I feel like people are going to tend to see Jesus in one of those three categories, um, maybe two, but uh, usually delimited to like one or two of like, they might only see Jesus as like, oh, he died on the cross as like uh, an example for me to follow. I, sh I should love others the way that Jesus loved um, people and, and was committed to his cause enough to die, or they might only see him as a priest, as like a sacrificial lamb that atoned for my sins. Um, or as, uh, as a King, as like a, you know, instituting a community of ethics that we need to follow. And he's reigning and ruling through that. Um, and people are probably going to have an understanding, uh, in our day and age of one of those three. And I think our job as ministers of the gospel is going to be to help them understand how, um, although like each of those three is actually true. You know, like God, Jesus is reigning and ruling over the powers of evil. Jesus did reconcile us on the cross. And Jesus, like death on the cross is an example to us. Like I do want to love people that same way. And I want to affirm all the three of those, but also help calling people into a fuller understanding of what Christ did on the cross isn't just limited to any one of those three. Chris, 
You've said no words thus far. Travis is killing it. <laughs> he is. <laughs> He's killing it, yeah. Uh, I mean, as you guys have been talking, the, the passage that came to mind for me is uh, Colossians 2, verses 13, 13 through 15. And you have both of these like laid side by side um, from the Apostle Paul. This is what he writes. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So there's your penal substitutionary atonement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right after that, in verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to mm -hmm. open shame by triumphing over them mm -hmm. in him. There you have mm -hmm. Christus Victor. And mm -hmm. so- you have, I mean, it, 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 you're absolutely right. When, when you look at this, the story, and then when you find these passages that sort of condense the story, you're, you're going to see these side by side repeatedly. And it's, it's kind of, you know, what God has joined us under, let no man tear apart kind yeah. of thing. And so, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, something that enriches our understanding of the gospel, the more that we lean into just the full robust nature of Christ as a crucified and reigning, resurrected and reigning King. Bethany, got anything? You already kind of asked the question that I was going to ask, which is like, what does this mean for me? Mm -hmm. A Christian who's leading a gospel community, mm -hmm. like what, how does this benefit or help me? Mm -hmm. I mean, you kind of already answered it, yeah. but I don't know. Well, I, I was even um, thinking that, uh, I don't know, Bethany, and I feel like our context and our conversations that we've had as people who have kind of grown up in maybe more of um, more fundamentalist churches and maybe kind of when we hear maybe like an altar call or a, a sinner's prayer, it can kind of sometimes cause us to like kind of cringe a little bit of like, I don't know what what's up with that, but I, it doesn't seem like that is fully... I don't know, like, I don't disagree that, like, I want to call people to come to Christ, and I don't disagree that you can come to God in prayer and, like, ask for forgiveness of sins, but it can sometimes maybe feel like, oh, I don't, you know, what is, what is that? Why do I feel that kind of a cringe? Um, and I feel like this framework helps me articulate, oh, okay, I think it's because it's reducing the cross down to just a transaction. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of forgets, like, okay, in, the, in that framework, Jesus didn't really need to be a Jewish man. He could have been born in Asia or America or <laughs> South America. Like he could have been born anywhere. It didn't really matter that he was uh, in Israel. Um, and it just kind of reduces it to this transaction in between me and God. Um, but by recovering of like, oh, no, no, but this is also like, this is the fullness of the vision of God of like restoring the kingdom um, captures me into that. And I think even calls me um, kind of out of maybe like a more lethargic state as a Christian of like, rather than just seeing the crosses, Yep, it paid for my sins and I'm going to heaven and we're good mm -hmm. to actually seeing like, oh no, I, it's not only paid for my sins, but it's actually uh, allowed me to enter into that community and actually be a part of this mission. And therefore I have a hand in this. Um, the kingdom, or the definition that uh, Jeremy Treat offers for uh, the kingdom of God uh, is he, it's kind of twofold. First, he says that um, at creation, the definition of the kingdom of God would be uh, God's reign um, with his servant kings over the creation. And so like in the Garden of Eden, he created the world and his kingdom would be ruling alongside Adam and Eve, uh, ruling that world. And then when sin and a bondage entered into the world, that kind of broke that picture. And so now the, the vision of the future kingdom, um, Treat defines it as God's redemptive reign through Christ and his reconciled servant kings over the new creation. And so there's this sense that we're called into the mission of like, I want that to happen. I want to bring that about and I want to be a part of that mission and part of that plan. And it calls me out of this kind of uh, 
sense that it's only about me getting into heaven and actually being a part of the mission of God. Dang. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Um, I think for, for many listeners who are like me, Travis, the, the default setting for me was set to penal substitution so early in my Christian life Mm. that, that it's actually still hard for me to, to, sprinkle that kingdom emphasis in, in a way that feels full enough, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, man, I try, I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was th- grateful to read George Eldon Ladd back in seminary and real, and you know, the categories of already and not yet. And just this kingdom of God being the meta theme of scripture. I was like, Oh yes, this makes sense of so much, but man, I can still fall my, I can still feel myself in preaching, leaning back in the direction of like, just talking about atonement mm-hmm. and not enough about how the atonement brings us into God's kingdom and and sets us into this new uh, trajectory. But the other thing I was thinking as you were talking is it also this also seems to help correct the the weird division we've made between Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know where it's like, oh, I can believe that Jesus is my Savior, and that's about the future. And but there's zero emphasis on now, right? Yeah. Um, versus the reality of like, well, if he's King, that means he's reigning and ruling, mm-hmm. and that has implications for who I live for and how I live. And that's really important mm-hmm. for us to, to recapture that as God's people. Mm. Well, Travis, thank you for um, framing up this very thoughtful and helpful um, podcast topic. If anyone wants to read the book, it is a helpful book. It's a theological book, so it'll take you a little bit of uh, thought work, but it's called The Crucified King, Atonement and Kingdom in Biblical and Systematic Theology by Jeremy Treat. Um, but uh, this podcast, ha- I think, has done a good job of summarizing the major concern of the book, which is to say, hey, the kingdom through cross is what we need to emphasize, and it's the message of the gospel, and it's what the scriptures have to, to preach to us. And so uh, thanks, Travis, for helping us uh, move away from the pendulum swing and into some sort of integration of these themes. The goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. So if you're a Christian or a church leader in another context, we thank you for listening in. And we pray that this conversation might be helpful to you as you minister in your context. We love to hear from listeners. So if you have thoughts, questions, or future podcast topics, send an email to podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.